Welcome to the Fabulous Fool's Tarot Book Club. This is V with Mystical Millennial. And I'm Karen with Girl Seekers Quest. We're recording on New Year's Day. Whoa. Hello, man. dedicated. <laughs> we're so dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really just because we were both off of work and we're <sighs> like, let's record today. Oh, yeah. Um, <sighs> it's, and we're, it's 20, we're not hungover either. Over. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. No, I only had, I was really good. I only had, it probably amounted to three shots of whiskey in, mm. in mixed drinks and two glasses of wine. And that was it. Oh, wow. That's good. I, yeah. Um, and But that was over the course of like seven hours. Even. Oh, hey, that's, I only, gosh, I think I only had one beer. That's maybe two. I probably had two. Yeah. Yeah. I've slowed I, down a lot. Cause like at one point I was like. Oh, I'm drinking a lot. Oh, I've, I'm not really enjoy. you know, body positivity is one thing, but when I look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't like what I see. Like I've been spending a lot of time trying to be more positive and especially Good. forgiving because we're in quarantine, we're gaining weight, but like uh-huh. my brother's getting married in two months and I'm like, I don't like the way I look in this dress. And if I Aww. lost just like a little bit of weight, I would be a lot happier. So I'm doing it because I want to, not because anybody's telling me to. And I already started. It's not a New Year's fucking resolution because I'm hella right. against New Year's resolutions. Yeah. I mean, this might put a, a damper on your mystical millennial podcast, which I highly recommend. But Thank you. I, did, I, did, <laughs> I did stop drinking completely once for a couple of weeks. And just by doing that, I lost like five pounds. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely not going to stop drinking. But I start, okay. what I did was I started paying attention to what I was eating and like counting my calories using an oh. app just to see like where I was going wrong. And it was definitely the drinking. And the thing is, is like. We were drinking every day. Like, at one point, Patrick and I looked at each other, and we're just like, when was the last time we didn't have a drink? And we were Mm -hmm. like, fuck, that's not, that's not good for your damn liver, let alone your weight. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, your weight doesn't define your healthiness, but like, it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. BMI is bullshit, y'all. It was created by a guy who wasn't a doctor in the 30s, basically, just to be like, sexist. So, anyway. I apologize if any of this is triggering to anybody. You're beautiful in the body that you have. If you're not happy with it, make a few changes. But you don't have to, like... Right. Nope. Kim Kardashian doesn't even look like Kim Kardashian. You know how much plastic surgery that bitch has had? (laughs) And airbrushing. (laughs) And airbrushing. Bless my my soul. She she doesn't even look the way she looked. Like, that's not how she was born. Anyway. (laughs) Oh. Well, I thought too, like the other thing, like my thing is now, well, I even do this when I'm physically at work is I, it's like, what is getting replaced by the alcohol or for me, the coffee? Like if I'm drinking coffee all day, what I'm not drinking is any water. Like that's the other right. thing that happened, you know? So it's not even I, just what I'm drinking, but what I'm not. I started drinking a lot more tea, hot tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's it's Florida still, so it's still kind of hot. Like we did have a couple cold days, but like it's eighty degrees today. What am I drinking? What tea? <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't understand. We had a day where it was sixteen degrees out two weeks ago, and it's back up to eighty already. Like fucking, what is the state? Oh my gosh! <laughs> but you're not here to hear me. You're not here to hear me complain about my weight and Florida and Being the heat. Degrees in January. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to welcome to 2021. It's already hot as balls. Um, right. <laughs> but 
Okay, we do. Okay, so we have read, and maybe you have as well, The Scorpio Races by Maggie Stiefvater, and I am this girl's fangirl now. Maggie Stiefvater. I'm, like, ready to read everything she's written because there was so much bonus content. It was only, like, 15 minutes of bonus content on the audiobook, but it was her talking about her process. She wrote a song for the audiobook. Wow. She plays six different instruments, and she draws. Yeah, she, we're Maggie jealous now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, like, texted Karen as soon as I finished. I'm like, where did I go wrong in my life that I'm not living this woman's life? Because I used to play <laughs> instruments and write. I, do, I can't, I have no artistic ability as far as, like, drawing things. Like, co- I can color. I can color a mean coloring book, y'all. <laughs> But I can't draw. And I'm like, where did I go wrong in my life that I'm not living Maggie Stiefvater's life? Where she's like traveling. She's talking about all these cliffs she visited with her husband and research for this book. And I'm just like, Karen, where did I go wrong? And she's like, I know you're doing what you're Karen had to put me in my not put me in my place, but remind me that I'm also still living my best life, which I am. Yeah. Like like us mere mortals have to have full time jobs. (laughs) I know. I Like she has to be part fae. I would, it would be like Hermione with the time turner. Like, I'm just, I'm going to go back an hour and get an extra hour out of this day just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> fun thing. Lord. Like, I have a full-time job that I got to work or I would be way ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, and maybe like, I don't know if we want to do this exactly right now, but one of the other things we're going to talk about today is that she actually created a full tarot deck that went specifically with this book that she wrote. And if you already were fans of Maggie, is it Steve Vater? Steve Vater, yeah. Steve Vater. Uh, she did the Raven's Prophecy Tarot, which she did when she was writing her Raven King series, which I have not read. Um, so I want to, re- yeah. She wrote a werewolf series. She wrote a Raven. Se- I'm like into. I'm and she's like all into all this Celtic mythology, which is like she's hitting my life. your buttons. <laughs> she's hitting all of my buttons. I'm like so glad. <laughs> Karen has been picking all of the books lately for the book club. <laughs> and I'm like a big fan of all. I'm just, I'm enjoying the hell out of myself. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I picked this book because I had already had one of her tarot decks, but I hadn't read any of her books. Well, she only has one other tarot deck. I say only, but anyway. Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to get this one too. And I, and I thought it's also probably a really good book to start with for her because I think it's the only book she's written that's not part of a series. It's her only standalone. And so I thought, well, I don't know if I'm going to like her writing, but Scorpio C uh, or Scorpio Races is probably a good place to start because it's a standalone novel. And a lot of people on Instagram said that they really liked it when they read it. So, yeah. Uh, and so the book is Scorpio Races. The tarot is the Scorpio C tarot. But yeah, she wrote, now she did, and I won't, I won't talk about the deck just yet, but she did write the guidebook for Raven's Prophecy Tarot, but she didn't write the guidebook for this one. So. Anyway. Karen has a lot of opinions, but I we're going to, we'll get there. before <laughs> we get into the book and the tarot deck and everything, so we're changing our format up a tiny, tiny bit, not a whole lot. It's not like book club is going away or anything like that, because we know we've already changed formats on y'all once, and thank you for sticking <laughs> around for this amazing ride. Hope you're enjoying it. We are. And that's all that matters. (laughs) All right. So what we're actually going to do at the beginning, instead of doing the astrological pulls, um, I, because I'm a professional tarot reader, that's my, um, 
I aspire for that to be my full-time job. My actual full-time job is a nine-to-five and it's a drag, but I do uh, my small business, which is called Mystical Millennial. Um, But this month for January, because I am against New Year's resolutions, I've done goal-setting readings for the month before, and I'm doing that for January. So it's uh, three cards. It starts with three cards for 15 bucks or um, a half hour for 20 or if you want to do more. But like I'm focusing more on these goal setting readings for January, Um, coming into it, knowing your wildest dream, your wildest goal, and how can you get there? Because that's the kind of tarot that I read is more of the advice sort of a tarot. So... Karen is going to tell me her wildest oh, dream, and I'm going to pull cards for, for her. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> like, my one year's resolution is to brush my dog's teeth every day. <laughs> every day? Oh, my God. Yeah, apparently I need to be doing that. So <laughs> You do? Yeah. That's what my vet told Oh, for it. You're supposed to brush your dog's teeth every day. And my, but my dog in particular has really, for some whatever reason, has teeth that are particularly bad uh so i guess i especially need to brush them every day and even though it's this completely ridiculous exercise where she jerks her head out of the way a bunch of times and i only brush like four teeth (laughs) i still (laughs) i still feel like at least i'm getting the toothpaste in there like they have doggy toothpaste did you know that yes i did know that (laughs) and they have doggy fluoride water it's i don't know if it's fluoride but oh my god Anyway, that wow. so you so you might this would be a good reading for me cuz I don't even know what my goal should be. Like maybe there's I mean, I've had all sorts of things. Like I had somebody like I posted this on my Instagram. She asked me for a single card for her career in 2021. I'm like, a single card is not going to do it, but whatever. <laughs> like your whole career for the entire year. What do we need to know? I'm like, one card. Okay, all right. I get you're on a budget, but like damn. But so I pull this one card for her and I give her this long, lengthy description about like her job and she needs to do these changes and la la la. She's like, that doesn't really make sense because I'm not working at the moment. <laughs> Why are you asking me about your career if you don't have one? What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I'm just. Tell me your wildest goal that you want to achieve. Um... It would be like absolutely off the wall. Like, the wildest thing. Because the thing is, is that yeah. even if you don't know how you're going to get there, the whole point of doing this spread is okay, how cool. would you yeah, get there? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll dream big. I, mm-hmm. well, anyway, I don't know where this year is going, but it would be so awesome. It's January 1st. Nobody right. knows. It would, be so, <laughs> it would be so awesome if I didn't have to work ever again. But, I mean, obviously okay. everybody wants that, and I don't have control over so much of that. <laughs> so I don't... So your, your goal is to not have to work, like being yeah. financially in a good financial place where you don't have to have. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think there would probably – well, let's pull the cards before I <laughs> put my – my personal two cents can't get in the way. Oh! Okay, so I'm using the Spirit Song Tarot, which I've been really connected to lately. All the cards are animals, and I just, I love it. And they have cute little buzzwords on them. So you got a flamingo, a ladybug, and a lion. Ooh. So it's a knight of shells is the flamingo, Hmm. or knight of cups. Five of crystals, or pentacles, which is the ladybug. And king of feathers, or swords, which is the lion. Cool. I like those items for the elements. Yeah, that wands are acorns. Oh. Well, it doesn't yeah, make it super so cute. clear what they represent. Like, I mean, that's like yeah. better than wands. 
I agree, because it's like a little nugget of an idea, and then it grows creatively. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Knight of Shells says, is, a, is the flamingo, and it says charm and passion. And I think the word for you is is charm. Um, like, your, like, what unique charms do you have that you can assess that can possibly leverage you into something that is a little bit more... Um, mm-hmm. Like, alternative income. Because, mm-hmm. like, when I'm thinking of you, like, not having to work again, like, you think of alternative income just, like, to supplement that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because you weren't you you weren't working before. And right. you've been back working for, like, It's like six, six months, months or something like that. Yeah. And it was sort of yeah. a planned break from work because of what was going on with my husband's job. So the plan had always been that I'd be going back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, like my, my dream for a while, especially since being a parent, is that it'd be so nice. Of course, like everybody wants that, right? Like it'd be so nice to just be home when the kids are yeah. little. Like what are your charms and passions? Like where where does your charisma lie in terms of like something that you maybe like that would leverage something something a little different that maybe you would... Mm-hmm enjoy and not consider so much work yeah that's a good um because the thing is is like you know money is a a necessity yeah um like i hate the idea that money is bad i never jived with that because like and like living without money like you want things you want to enjoy life like there's nothing wrong with having material stuff it's when you take it for granted or like if money is just like it's difficult to describe, but like money and not like, not like making, paying it forward too. like, that's part of it too. I think a lot of people think, you know, Jeff Bezos and just kind of hoarding his money and stuff, which that's a whole complicated thing. I don't even want to get into, but (laughs) I think in terms like reframing the idea of like, how can you enjoy your work Mm -hmm, more? mm -hmm. And like, what sort of passion can you bring into that? Mm -hmm. And then with the five of crystals, which is the five of pentacles, we had an episode on that. Oh yeah, that's right. A while ago. The pentacle. But this says the pentacle is pentacle. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun one. Um, But the five of crystals with the ladybug is persistence and new possibilities. So this is just kind of, again, like the five of pentacles is all about reframing your perspectives about your physical and current material situation. So hmm. I think this is speaking to that idea too. And especially because the I have a ladybug tattoo. Yeah. So ladybugs for me are really personal. And since Karen and I are best friends, this is kind of like, your friend has some good ideas. <laughs> um, but I think with, yeah, and the ladybug is like climbing up this little mushroom and is very, the background is kind of muted pinks, but the ladybug is super vibrant red. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of focus on the self. And that makes me think of the root chakra, which is red, which is all of your security and safety. Mm. Um, so I think you need to reframe like, where are you safe and where are you secure? And like, what is the purpose of the work now and like what does that do Mm -hmm. and and is the possibility what are the what are the possibilities even look like not working like just like actually looking at that and trying to reframe it into okay well it looks this way if I do work it looks this way if I don't work it looks this way if I Mm -hmm. leverage into something that will bring in some income but maybe not as much but I'm going to be happier like what do all those things look like Mm -hmm. 
that's something that you need to examine. And then you have the king of swords or king of feathers, the lion, and it says logic and justice, Mm -hmm. which is wild. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've always thought of the king of swords as very logical. He's, He's an heir of heir, so it's a lot of logic, a lot of communication. But this word justice is really looking at balancing those scales, Mm -hmm. like a Libra, like the justice card, Um, which Libra is an air sign. Justice is an air card, even if it's a major arcana card. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm speaking in these terms for Karen because she's familiar with the tarot. Like if you're not (laughs) familiar with tarot at all, and I'm coming into a reading like this, I, I, it's catered to your knowledge too. So, the lion is, like, sitting and relaxing. He's got, like, a sun halo around him and is sitting mm-hmm. next to this pool and relaxing. Like, there isn't this, like, active hunting like a lion does. Like, it's a it's the lazy lion. It's, like, this relaxing. So I feel like you get what's coming to you when you think through it logically. Yeah. And if you don't have to hustle, then don't. Mm-hmm. Like, if it doesn't make sense to work really, really hard, then don't. Yeah. I feel like that's the big message there is, like, if you can relax, you should. Yeah, and and I'm also hearing, like, that whole aspect of controlling my emotional aspect of how I, you know, of, of, the, of the idea that I have about, like, my dream of doing nothing. Wasn't that in some movie? <laughs> but, <laughs> but so that, that king of swords is, is that person too, right? That, that, that balance of, you know, don't, don't let your emotions, like, overtake... Yeah, don't let your emotions come into it. Like, you have the Knight of Cups at the beginning, which is, he's kind of up in his feels. But you have the King of Feathers. Sort of controlling that or directing that. I mean, he's sitting next to water, though. Mm -hmm. He's sitting next to water. So, like, that is something he wants, he can observe. Like, you can observe your emotions from a logical perspective. But, like... What is the reason for the want? Like, you know? Yeah. Like, he's not disregarding like not only, the water. Yeah. Right. Like, don't disregard your emotions. They're important in order to remain logical because you have to take into account who you are as a human being. Mm-hmm. You have to take into account who you are as a human being. Like, a human being without emotions is a robot. Yeah. And it makes the, sense to me, like, what you said about, like, the ladybug and the, and the five of pentacles, like, thinking about security because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's where for a lot of us, especially in the United States, uh, work is so tied to that. Mm-hmm. We don't maybe have some of the really robust social services that other democracies do, and we, we mm-hmm. don't necessarily have an economy that is just so easy for everyone to constantly do well in. And so mm-hmm. it makes sense that that's sort of like in the middle of the spread to kind of anchoring everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. I so, love yeah, that. I love I think... that goal setting spread. That's so cool. What a great yeah. idea for the new year. I, yeah, I've <laughs> completely, <laughs> Well, thank you. So that, but yeah, those readings are available for January for, they start at $15. So we can st- usually start with three cards and then can like go from there or like half hour reading start at 20. That's what I got this month. Awesome. And we will post pictures of that on Instagram. Yes. Yes. So let's get into the Scorpio races by Maggie Stiefvater. Yes. All right. Overall impressions. Oh my God. You're going to hate me. Okay. why (laughs) i don't know you won't you won't but like so you're you were further in this book than i was and then you're texting me about 
like, oh, I'm so over this horse thing and blah, blah, blah. You know, like the romanticism of the horses. I am like not in, okay, <laughs> let's get this out of the way at the beginning. So <laughs> yeah, horses, okay. so this is, an, all right, let's set the scene. I'm getting ahead of myself about overall impressions okay. even. We haven't even set the scene. We have two main characters, Kate Puck. Connolly. I'm very annoyed that we never understand where her nickname comes from because I feel like that's important about the character. Is it fa- it's a little fairy-ish. Well, Puck is, yeah, Puck is a fairy in Midsummer Night's Dream. Right. That's what made me, yeah, that's what made me think of that. I don't know if they're aware of Shakespeare on the island of Thisbe, though. Like, I, I, I mean, I would assume that you would, but like, well, I, I don't know. That's actually that's very mean to the people on the island of Thisbe. They're not idiots. But the writer but... probably is. So I oh, she, she does. I guarantee you, she is. Yeah, but we don't, yeah, we don't know why. We never get, yeah, and she's got to be, like, 18 or something. Like, she's an adult, but an extremely new adult. I think she's, like, like 17. Well, she's, she keeps saying she's an adult, so, but she doesn't She keeps forgetting that she's a girl, like, she's, she's basically coming into her womanhood. There's a coming of age element to the story. Yeah. She's constantly remarking how she wishes that people would treat her like an adult, or... She notices within herself that she doesn't feel like an adult when she's having these conversations with people, but realizes that she's there now, like she's in that moment. So this is my, this is the biography of Kate, the the tiny biography of Puck Connolly. (laughs) Orphaned, unappreciated sister slash housekeeper slash teapot painter slash horsewoman. She has a, she has a horse, a normal horse, and I say normal horse on purpose. Named Dove. She seems very genderless, honestly. She's like sort of well, a tomboy. Useful. Yeah, she's, she's very yeah. I think that's part of the reason why she's called Puck. She just she has two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. Her parents have died. She's basically taking care of the house. But like she, yeah, she seems gender fluid to me. And then the other main character, because we go back and forth between Puck and Sean. Sean Kendrick. Imagine Fitzwilliam Darcy if he raced horses. That is the level of broodiness and I hate <laughs> right. people and well, he's uh, also leave me young. alone. He's, well, he's, he's 19. 19. And I realized by the time I got to the end of the book that they, she never says this, the writer. She never gives you his full backstory, but it almost sounds like this jerk who owns the stables he works for. Malvern. Took him in, also orphaned took him in when he was like nine and I got the impression he just dropped him in that hovel of a stable room at nine years old and made him work there ever since. So he has this job and he's respected, but this guy, but he's had, he's lived a life of lack, I guess, like lack of human connection, like lack of things at all. Like, I mean, he understands the horses on a whole different level from everyone else. He is, like, the guy. Like, if your horse is in trouble, then Sean Kendrick is your man. And he has, like, this, like, weird-ass relationship with his water horse, which is not a normal horse, Core, C-O-R-R. The way she writes the relationship with the horses there's a lot of whispering and hair braiding with the horses and i'm like this is weird and kind of sexual see that no, scene, i sex. didn't get this 
I didn't get the second. This is because I'm not a horse person, and I'm, like, (laughs) tired of people romanticizing horses. They are not native to the Americas. They came over from Europe. They are not native to the Americas. They were native, but then they all got, yeah, and then they all got killed off, and then Europeans reintroduced them hundreds and hundreds of years later. But they're, like, not, like, the whole idea of, like, indigenous peoples riding horses and things like that, that is, like... Ah, it's... I don't know. I just know they were native, but they were extinct before, well before Europeans came. And they're about to go fucking extinct again. There's, like, all these, like, skinny-ass horses, wild horses running around because, like, uh, it's... Horse racing is not great. The things in the westerns and stuff, terrible. Like, no. Like, d- d- oh, go read sad. anything. Go read anything by Cormac McCarthy. I think they're the one that he wrote called All the Pretty Little Horses, or All the Pretty Horses is, like, about romanticism of horses, which I kind of want to read, but, like, Blood Meridian, which I can't possibly recommend because it's horrifying on so many levels of horrifying I've never read before. But you will not... Yeah, no, Westerns, like, Western America and, like, this whole Manifest Destiny shit, if you want that ruined for you forever, read Blood Meridian. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'm I'm sorry. No, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I've never read Cormac McCarthy, but... I mean, yeah. he he's, like, one of the most beautiful writers I've ever read. But, like, God damn it, it's, like, I want to throw up and cry and everything. Is he the one who did, uh, what was that, Viggo Mortensen movie? The Road, yes. Oh, jeez. Oh, wrote that, that book. That uh, wrote so No Country, yeah. no oh, country no for Old Men, which Man. is one of my top ten movies of all time. Fucking brilliant. Profoundly um, the, disturbing, both of those movies. I haven't. Oh yeah, it's but. Cormac McCarthy is like disturbing on a whole new level of disturbing. But like, if you want the romanticism of American America and how it's been built to this day, which we probably all should be a little horrified because nobody wants to tell us. Cormac McCarthy tells it as it is, and it's beautiful, but it will wreck your life. Yeah, it will uh, wreck the movie, you. The, the movie The Road, like there are still scenes in it that I just, it's just they're just you know, emblazoned in my memory, and I wish they weren't. <laughs> Back to the book we're currently reading, though. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, that was my well, fault. That was completely my fault. But yeah, well, I was I was going to say that I, you know, because you were telling me, like, you, I, and I don't know if I even told you this, like, I grew up kind of a horse person, and, and like, when I was a kid, I rode horses for years. Uh, I tried to volunteer at stables, and I had to quit at some point because in high school my parents couldn't afford it anymore Um, I never owned a horse but like the lessons and things like that and I just kind of like it went by the wayside in my life but (laughs) reading this book I well first I will say like I don't know if Steve Fodder is a horse person for sure but she must be like the level of knowledge like if you're a horse person like I recommended this to my friend who used to train horses and 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 things like that because there's so many little details. It's like, okay, like she kind of, like, if you love horses, the book isn't just about horses, but you would enjoy that aspect of it. But now I'm like, oh, when can I go take lessons again and get my, my daughter is like really into horses, <laughs> like reading this book, like, oh, oh I want to do it again. <laughs> well, like, here's the thing. If you've never been around a horse and like think a horseback riding is romantic, it's not romantic. They're sweaty and you have to straddle a horse and if yeah, you ride, that's right. It, okay, I went on a horseback. The last time I went horseback riding, I was nineteen, yeah. and we were in the middle of Missouri. <laughs> it it was the worst vacation. Our whole 
freaking family, like five aunts and uncles and all of their kids went to Missouri. But at one point we went horseback riding and we went, I had not been horseback riding in a while. I used to ride a little bit, but this was like a two hour horseback yeah, ride. Yeah, long. I couldn't walk straight for the rest of the <laughs> yeah, vacation. <that's> right. <laughs> because my thighs were so sore because like imagine just doing holding a squat forever like you're sitting so your butt is not really (laughs) having to do work but your thighs are just like that's why they like make fun of cowboys for being bow-legged because they're fucking sitting on horses all the time (laughs) and horses shit all the time they smell (laughs) and like you're kind of like we i'm like demonstrating the motion even though you obviously can't see me because it's a podcast but like rocking back and forth and then if the horse gets any speed you're basically just like jumping up and down like I can't imagine a cowboy like your dick slamming against the back of the horse all the time would hurt so bad I I have no insight into that so I can't I can't tell you I mean it did not feel great and I'm a girl so that's all I have it's just not okay but like this is the thing like and you see like horse carriages and stuff and sometimes the the people who keep those horses they don't always treat them really well and like my husband has always wanted to go on a carriage ride in St. Augustine because they have the horses and carriage and I absolutely refuse I have been to the point of tears because I just can't like I don't want to support that yeah it's, and some cities regulate that really well I don't know how St. Augustine does um I know New York City regulates it really well now i don't know how often they actually do checks and stuff but they say they do you do have to be really careful and 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 i think that's a problem you know people really romanticize horse racing but the reality is that horse racing really uh just puts horses through the grinder and then spits them out the other end when they're not useful most of them when they're not useful at a very young age still And, you know, there's a lot of horse charities that try to rehome these horses that are pretty young and are just discarded. A lot of them actually end up with, because of racing, end up with injuries that make them unrideable. And charities try to find homes for them, for for people that will take horses as companion animals rather than animals to be ridden. But it's terrible. It's it's. It's totally inhumane. It's not great. No, I mean, and I think because like the Kentucky Derby is so romanticized right. with the hats and the and the right. mint juleps and stuff, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't really need an excuse to put on a fancy right. hat and drink <laughs> right. a mint julep. Excuse you, yeah. like I'm gonna put rum instead of bourbon, but like I will put a fancy hat on and drink on for, any Sunday, <laughs> yeah. on any fucking day. It don't even right. have to be Sunday. I'm ready. Give it to me. Like, I don't need... Listen, and this is not... I think horses are fucking incredible yeah. animals. They do really have a magic to them. I ha- My ex lived on a farm, yeah. and I spent a lot of time there, and there were horses. Not for... Ri- we. Ne- I never rode them, but, like, I would pet them. And, like, they are just... They are amazing. They are amazing animals. I'm right, not bashing right. horses in their existence. I'm just saying that, like... Stop taking horse-drawn carriages. Stop racing horses. Horseback riding ain't all it's cracked up to be either. I'm just, <laughs> like, these animals just have this history of abuse Yeah. in our American culture. Just this history. Like, I saw, like, they can make the horses, like, do these weird jumping tricks and stuff. I saw it, and I wanted to vomit. I'm like, that's so painful for the horses. Like, think about how you get a horse to stop. There's a piece of metal in its mouth, and you pull on it. 
to get it to stop. It's not cool. Well, and I think actually when you look at the book, the guy who is the big stable owner, I mean, these horses, you know, Sean treats them with a lot of respect. They are his friends. Oh, yeah. But, they are but his everybody friends. else. Maybe even his lovers. <laughs> nah, <laughs> that's, no, you told me that. And I was I'm like, kidding. What? no, that's fine. That's fine. But. Everybody else at that stable just treats them like a commodity to serve their own interests. They treat the horses that way and they treat all the employees that way too. You know, Sean is not treated very nicely at all. Like at one point, someone points out to Mulvern, oh, you basically raised him. He's kind of like a son to you. This is like three quarters of the way through the book. And I'm like, I never got that impression at all. Right. Which is why that nice American horse person said that or rich guy. I fucking love that character. I thought I was going to hate his guts, but he's awesome. He's amazing. So nice. (laughs) So nice. So you have these two people who are like late teens coming of age and you're right. Love horses. Yeah. And horses horses really connect them and connect them to the island too. Like the horses are almost like these elemental creatures, like not only the ones that come out of the water, but also like her horse dove. It's like all part of how totally connected Puck and Sean are to the island you know, yeah. and the horses are part of that life and that thing that is, it's it's almost like they're all like sprouting up out of the ground, you know, elementally part of that island and its life, them and the horses that are there. And it's because there are these things called the Kapal Ishka, which are, they look like horses. And actually they're like a fey creature that is most commonly called like a Kelpie in, like, Scottish lore. They're called a lot of different things, but, like, one of the closest things I could think of was, like, a Kelpie in Mm -hmm. Scottish lore. Yeah. And there's actually these really cool statues in... Oh, gosh. I wrote it down, and I didn't... Oh, in near Falkirk in Scotland. Mm -hmm. It's called the Kelpies. And they're, they're these giant horse statues coming out of the water. They're huge. They're, like, 30 feet tall. They're enormous. They are terrifying, but really cool. <laughs> but like, and that's the same thing with the Kapil Ishka, which is Irish, liter- Irish for water horse. Kapil Ishka, they're cool, but terrifying. And they race them every November on this island and a bunch of tourists come. But like, these horses like meat and blood. Yeah, they're, they're not mon- nice horses. Yeah, they're literally monsters. That They are literally monsters. That, and she based it on the idea of the Kelpie, but she, like, I saw in her afterward that she felt after a while, after working this story around a, a long time, decided that she'd feel very free to just take the idea and rework it as it suited her rather than trying to be right. really strict about the Kelpie idea. I love the way she took the the lore and turned it into this cool story. Yeah, she. I mean, that was really amazing. So there's regular horses on the island, but every year they these horses, some of them just come up out of the water and they try to catch them so they can race with them. And then sometimes they release them back and sometimes they keep them and train them. And the races are normally meant to be just for these Kapil Ishka horses. Mm -hmm. And then along comes Puck, (laughs) who... Or do you want to go into the summary? I'm just kind of, like, rambling on about it. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Um, You're doing... I love the way you're describing it. Well, and and I'll say, like, this book, I think we... It was hard for us to decide what genre would, like, totally fit. Obviously, it's, like, a type of fantasy, but it really does, like... I would definitely say fantasy. Yeah. Like, 
It doesn't even really fit into romance. Yeah. Like, it, right. it's a romance the way that Aragorn and Arwen right. are a romantic element of Lord of the right. Rings trilogy. That's a perfect, yeah. And it really is, like, I'm not sure I've ever read a book that had really what I thought was, like, two main characters, like, perfectly balanced in the story. And, but this one did. Like, I think it's Sean and Puck. But Puck is in a situation where... Her parents are gone. They were killed by Kapil Ishka. Yeah. And just like maybe a year before or something. Like it's not that long. Yeah, it's before. not been long. She has, like, she's on that cusp of adulthood. She has an older brother who's a couple years older, a few years older, who's, you know, also a young man, uh, who cannot handle life on this very isolated island. And, it's small. Yeah. And it's been a place where they've struggled to have money. They've struggled, especially since their parents are gone. Like, these people are scraping by, I think, is what it really makes it sound like. Every day she's, yeah. like, taking stock of how much food she has. It's just beans. They have, And her older brother has decided at the beginning of the book to surprise them. Like, just drop on her and her younger brother, who's still... He's probably, like early teens maybe something like that mid teens he's a hella page in the tarot okay <laughs> I love him. yeah he's amazing. Finn Connolly I think he's like a page of wands he's so adorable <laughs> he's, he's yeah he stole the show I think <laughs> I agree um but her her brother just can't this older brother Gabe like he can't take the responsibility and the misery and the feeling of being trapped so he's gonna leave and so Puck they, they're they're overdue on their rent and he's leaving and he's the primary breadwinner. And so she wants to save the house. She needs money. And so she decides to join this race, but she is so rash about it. Like Gabe is like, I'm going to leave Thisbe. And she's like, fine, I'm going to enter the Scorpio races. Like just like that. And it's, and you love her fucking impulsive little bitch. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Because she loves her brother and doesn't want him to leave. And this whole book has this theme going on. Like some people want to leave the Island and Gabe, it almost seems like it's traumatic for him to stay there. But other people like her and Sean couldn't even imagine leaving. Like, they're so rooted to this island that they yeah. that it's their world. But but she wants, she if she joins the race, which is like a month away, he'll stay another month for the race instead of leaving in a week or something. And, yeah. and also, if she wins, then she can save the house and save her horse, get to keep it. You know, and put food on their table again. And and that's why she does, yeah. her and her brother make these teapots because they sell them to tourists. And that's, like, one of their only sources of income. Um, and then Gabe is, like, the older brother Gabe. He works, he's, like, a fisherman. Yeah. And, and it's kind of an interesting parallel with Sean because he has a job and a crappy roof over his head. But he's such an expert at what he does. Like, nobody can do what he does, even though he's only 19. And half the book, I thought he was, like, a part water creature. Like, I literally thought he was going to walk into the ocean and, like, turn into something. Because he broody as fuck. <laughs> so. <laughs> he's a goddamn, he's just Scorpio. like we said, Dor- Dar- Dorsey. Darcy was a Scorpio. I'm telling you, this is, like, a, pre- a pubescent girl's, prepubescent girl's wet dream is Sean, is Sean Kendrick. Because he works with horses and he's super broody, and he, like, doesn't give a shit about the other girls. He won't look at another girl. He just likes Puck. And it's just, like, woo, I... No one exists who is like this, okay? There's never gonna be a person. Well, he's (laughs) really, like... 
Okay. Did you see the, he's, this is what his interior life a little bit reminds me of. Did you see the movie Brokeback Mountain? Oh yeah. I love that movie. So Heath Ledger, there's this scene when his life. He's married to Michelle Williams, right? I have no idea. Like he has a wife in the in the movie, Bo- no, yeah, both yeah. of them are married. Both of them are married. 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 I forget. I, and they yeah. and they live far apart from. So he has a lover played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and they they met one summer working on this, like working out west. But then they, their lives took them different directions, right? So, but they see each other like once a year. Well, anyway, fa- flash forward years so later. Sad. Jake, I know Jake Gyllenhaal dies. Spoiler you know, alert, bitch! <laughs> oh, sorry. Whoops. Um. Yeah. No, it's been out for like 15 years. Right. If you haven't seen it now, the what this book, Sean, like I, this is what this reminded me of. So there's a scene when Jake Gyllenhaal dies. And of course the two of them can never openly admit in this time period and out West in that climate, what their relationship is. And also they're married. So it's a little too late. Right. So Heath Ledger, all he gets from Jake Gyllenhaal is this flannel shirt that he has left of him and it's hanging in this shitty, shitty trailer. He's alienated from his wife and, and daughter who's now an adult, you know, because they've sort of judged him for who he is, I guess. I can't quite remember, but so he's living this life like out away from people. It's emotionally stark. It's horrible. And, and he's got this flannel. He just grabs it. And, like, puts his face... But, like, that scene was so stark and depressing to me because he literally has nothing. And, I, to me, Sean in that shitty apartment was the same way. Like, like the one thing that he loves, this horse core, the owner won't sell to him. And I even after the horse gets his leg broken, and I think it's because the guy doesn't want Sean leaving. That yeah. He, and... And it's like all he's got is this little apartment, no friends, like no relationships with other humans. Like he's lost his parents. Like I feel like it's that same kind of life. Of course, he's highly functional. Like he's going, you know, he's training these horses. He's a hero. He's won the Scorpio races four years in a row on his same horse. He's like the magical trainer. And like a lot of people, tourists come and they'll buy horses from the Mulvern Yard. He makes this guy all this money. Yeah, he's so famous on this island. Like he, everybody knows who he is. He doesn't even he's get the to fucking keep his hero. Yeah, he doesn't even get to keep his winnings. And did you get a he vibe? He keeps that, part of them. Did yeah. yeah, like a tiny bit. Did you get a vibe that he was magical? Like how he's like putting dirt on the ground, and like that's what I thought. Like the spit on the horse was, or the braids. Like he does these things where other people do it to control horses, but it doesn't work for them, so they have to resort. Yeah. They have to resort to, like, more heavy measures, like, putting all this iron on these water horses. But for him, it's, like, there's so many little tiny things in the book that make it seem like he's got this island magic that he is a part of. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it's kind of the same way in, like, because I'm a witch, right? So, but I'm not, like, I don't come from a line of witches and it's not, like, an you know, a Disney Channel movie where, you know, like, your grandmother was a witch and you have magical right. powers and can make right. things... Le- like, I can't make shit levitate, okay? If I could... I'd be cleaning be my amazing. house all the time. <laughs> Girl, like, I want to snap my fingers and right. change my outfit and snap my fingers and, like, make the house clean. Like, that would be amazing. Like, do the little bewitch twitch thing. Yeah. We're, we're covering Bewitched on Witch Theater, by oh the way, gosh. my other podcast. Yeah, it's cute. But, like, uh, but, like, 
that's like my magic is like adding cinnamon to my coffee because cinnamon like makes mm. me feel good and also is like an herb of prosperity and like uh i don't know like taking a sh- um taking more time in my shower to cleanse my body and things right, like that it's right. like that sort of magical stuff that like when you do things on purpose and you have that sort of magic i feel like that's the kind of magic that sean possesses because he's so focused on the horses and understanding them right so and everybody else just treats them like these beasts but sean is like no they have personalities they matter like if you just deal with them understand them then you have a better relationship with them and then you can have yeah you know race better with the horse get the horse to do what you want it to do and things like that well and the last thing i'll say about him is that He's in a similar situation to Puck where this American horse buyer really talks to Sean about, you know, you really are valuable to this stable owner and he's just calling your bluff. You know, Mm -hmm. you could cut a deal with him that you ride in this race and you get to keep this horse that you love, this water horse that he's had for, for like four years or something. And so Sean is, is racing for high stakes too, because he's decided, which I think is awesome about him. Just like he's inspired by puck. They're both dreaming big. Like she's like, mm-hmm. fuck it. I'm, I might not even win this race, but I want my brother to stay here. I'm going to save the house. I'm going to go for it. And she knows she might die doing it because it's so dangerous and he's kind of inspired by her and this american guy to like why why keep existing like this that you know like begging for scraps just so that i can have the the few things that i have in my life and he cuts a deal with a stable owner for ownership of this horse and i can't remember what else like maybe more of his winning i don't remember but so sean said give me the sell me the horse or i'll quit And Mulvern called his bluff. So he quit for a couple of days and then Mulvern gets kind of desperate and is like, okay, I'll sell you the horse for X amount of money and they haggle. Right. You got to run in the race. You got to run in the race. You still have to work for me. I'll sell you the horse. And Sean needs to win in order to get the money, the rest of the money he needs to buy it too. To buy the horse. Yeah. But he'll get the horse. And like, that's the only thing that he wants. And then he wants to move back into his dad's house because his dad died. In the Scorpio races, that's how the book opens. His dad dies in the Scorpio races when he's nine, which yeah. is, like, traumatic as fuck. Yeah. But, like, his dad's house has just been sitting there abandoned, but Sean can't afford to keep it up and needs to be in the horse yard and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, Sean like Sean and Puck are both competing in this race for a chance at a better life, at a happier life. Yeah. And they, their romance is weird. Okay? Like, there's, like no romantic tension there's not really and there's no sex this is yeah it's very innocent it's like it's this is the least steamy book we've ever read (laughs) yeah like both of them you get the sense it's like their first experience of falling in love with someone they do find a lot of affinity with each other like Mm -hmm. he respects that she loves her horse like he sees that they have this close relationship that she's respectful of her horse and loves it Mm -hmm. And he, and it's like, I feel like that's that moment where it clicked. It was like, oh, she gets it. Like, she's, you know, she's like me. I actually thought, and maybe I'm like jumping ahead a little bit. She, to me, was very pentacles and he was very cups. Yeah, totally. And there's even like a line in the book that describes her. It's kind of near the end before the race where she's sitting down, hunched up, but it's on the ground. 
And Sean, like, describes her in his mind as if she's something that just grew up out of the earth of the island. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's, like, total Pentacles energy. And she just kind of gets to, like, sheer determination for a lot. Like, she's trying to save her home. I don't know. She seems, like, kind of earthy to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, she she's earthy, but also, like, she has, like, a spirit, like, a fire. Yeah, so it's, like... Yeah. She's got a lot of earth in her chart, but also a lot of fire in her Absolutely. chart. Yeah, counts. you're totally <laughs> right about that. And he, you know, he has these scenes where he's like walking into the sea and, you know, saying his desires to the sea and he's like literally communing with the sea. I feel like I saw him as sor- sort of reversed Knight of Cups that he... I put that too! Oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 very uh, emotional... But he's been stuck in this very stark environment that just, I think, strips away everything that he could have in life. And so, and he's stuck there. That I have another bold opinion about a card for Sean. Okay, cool. He's a death card. Ooh. Cool. Because he's always, he's works with these Kapil Ishka that he's like constantly flirting with death. Yeah. His origin story has everything to do with death because his dad died and his mom, right. his mom left, but like, and she like is never a character. He doesn't have any memories of her, but his dad died. Like he's constantly dealing with the couple Ishka and death. Yeah. Um, and he's broody. Death is the Scorpio card. This is the Scorpio races. Like, yeah, he is such the death card and he's just kind of living in this constant state of everything kind of sucks, but I'm making the best of it, but I'm not really happy at all yeah and and then he takes that risk and transforms like he yeah he does that's really cool i you know i was looking through these cards so in the deck he actually shows up with his horse core in several cards because i think she's just using like pieces of the story in the deck so maggie the author drew the cards for the deck and assigned them yeah and if you google the deck the first thing you'll find, she started the deck in a completely different art style, got several mm. cards in, and then scrapped the whole thing and started completely over. And so one of the things she does is she has Puck as a queen of wands, which kind of makes sense. I get that. I, it really makes sense. She's so passionate. She's doing everything. And mm. and in the end, she comes up with a way to, like, they. It, the whole book makes it seem like it. It's it's like this undercurrent of... They're helping each other to train for the race, but what's going to happen when one wins and the other one doesn't? Mm -hmm. But in the end, he saves her life at the end of the race before it's over because he blocks this guy, Mutt, who's a murderous maniac. Mutt attacks him, though. Okay, we have to talk about Mutt Malvern for a second. This motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listen, and... I don't think it's very... This guy is extreme. Like, trying to kill horses. (laughs) He's the bastard son of of Mulvern, who is Sean's boss, who is causing him all this grief. And causes Puck a lot of grief, too, because he's trying to evict her. But, like, he's an idiot. He's an asshole idiot. He wants to win the races more than anything. I guess he wants to impress his daddy. But him and Sean have big beef okay huge beef with each other i have to comment on this why does the brutish asshole always have to have a thick neck and like be kind of (laughs) 
ugly. I don't know. I, I feel like that, that made me a little mad. I was like, he has a really thick neck. And I'm like, excuse me, are we resulting to like mocking people for their appearances based on their personality traits? Because I don't think that's cool. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. But he's an asshole. He's a complete asshole. He tries to kill Cor. He tries to kill Sean during the race. Woo. This guy. He's yeah. just, he's, he's, his antagonism oh, is he extreme. Ki- he brutally kills this horse, which he's technically owner of. This really valuable yeah. horse of his dad's. He just thought so it was he core. Could, he could either get Sean killed or fired. Well, he was trying to kill Core, and that was going to hurt Sean more than anything else. Yeah, he tried to kill he killed another horse by mistake and then went and tried to, I mean, he's murderous he's terrible. So at the, in the race it looks like he tries to go after Puck in the race and Sean blocks him, but he also wants to kill Sean. And mm-hmm. so it allows Puck to move forward and win, but Sean and his horse almost she- died actually wins and yeah. i was shocked like the only person not on a whiskey horse uh ushka capital ushka yeah she's not so first so we have to talk about this because puck is the first girl to ever enter the scorpio races which have been happening for centuries okay yeah. this is a perfect segue into this weird but good feminism aspect of the book right I think the reason there's not a lot of romance between Sean and Puck is because Sean seems a little asexual to me, first of all, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but... Well, I just, it's just like, they have so much going on in their lives, and it's really yeah. not meant to be a romance novel, but at the same time, their relationship is super romantic and in this really innocent way. Well, anyway, like, I, I know you're, you're, you're talking about, like, you're, this is like a, a, a tangent. <laughs> so, so what happens is Puck enters the races, the first girl ever to do it. Nobody really gives her shit for signing up, and it's fine for a while. And she's like, she doesn't really think about it. Nobody really says anything to her. Right. Everybody thinks... Everybody thinks there's this ca- character, Peg Grattan, who I think is the high priestess because she's butcher's amazing. Wife. I'll get into it. Yeah. Yes, the butcher's wife. They say that every man uh, in, on Thisbe is in love with her because she could cut out your heart and show it to you. That's and I'm just priestess. like, that's so badass. <laughs> that's like so high priestess. Like, uh, ooh. But anyway, so Peg Grattan tries to talk her out of doing the races because she's going to be on a regular horse, not a Kapalishka. And like, not as fast. Definitely not deadly. All And the Kapalish Cup will just attack people and horses for no reason during yeah. the race. Like, it's not even, dire- like, directed by the rider. So, like, it's super dangerous. But what happens is they're doing the ceremony of the riders. They have to, like, do a little drop of blood on the rock and everything like that. And, and Kate Puck is the last one to go. And a bunch of dudes come right. up and are like, get down from there. You're not going right. to race. Right. And, and she's like, what? Because right. of... Because of my horse? They're like, no, because you're a girl. And I was like, wait, what? This is literally the median chapter in the book. This is halfway through the book. And I was almost screaming. (laughs) I I was like, holy shit. And it wasn't like in your face feminism. It was just like, yeah, that's what happens. Like, oh, you're a girl and you can't do it. Well, and she's You just can't. Because this this young, young woman, Puck. (sighs) I'm so impressed. Refuses to get so off this impressed. rock. All these men, literally surrounded by dozens of of old men, big men, refuses to get off this rock. 
It's like straight up some Susan B. Anthony shit. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. And there's that like whole pentacle thing. Like maybe that's like Ace of Pentacle, that big rock she's standing on. And finally, Hell yeah. finally, Sean, like he feels ashamed because he's like, look at how brave she is. Like he has this moment where he's like, oh my God, she's so brave and I'm such a coward. And then he speaks up for her and he's like, let her yeah. ride. And he has so mm-hmm. much weight in the community because of his horse expertise that they all, be- it just like fizzles out. They back off and let her and let her do it. And um, Peg Grattan is the one cutting everyone's fingers and she's just, she doesn't even get, she just automatically, she's like, all right, we're done. We're done. We right. got her. Right. <laughs> she's in the race. Right. Can't take it back now. No take these backies. Right, no take backsies. Like Peg Grattan is 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 like one of these minor characters that I just love so much because I put in my notes she's not a loud feminist. Right. She just she does by it. existing right and right. and her actions and everything that is subtle because that's the thing. Like everybody complains about feminism and like these women who want these drastic things, and there are some feminists who are like anti men. I'm not one of those feminists. I'm one of those things where it's like, yeah. My husband and I should get paid the same. And like the wage gap, I'm not even gonna get into it. Right. Don't come at me about the don't at me about the wage gap thing because there's a lot of fucking things that go into it. But right. like it's just like women should be allowed to do what they want with their bodies. <laughs> we sh- we should be allowed to look and weigh what we want to. And like it's just a lot of it is body image stuff. But like, I mean, on this tiny island where it's like all the men do the racing and there's never been a woman and like, no, 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 no women, no women. Oh, my God. Just because no women. I I don't know what made me think of it, but you're talking about women. I was thinking about Puck because she's so young. But I just realized that Puck is like starving because of lack of food and Mm -hmm. starving because lack of relationships. Like, I mean, of course, he's got the horses. But he's, like, emotionally starving, and she's, like, physically starving. That's a really good point and a really great way to stop me from going on a feminism. I don't know, but I just thought of it because I was like, Puck and Sean are equally heroes in this book. And oh, yeah. And I think, but I, so you were talking about the women in the book, and I was thinking about how amazing it is. Like, Puck is always talking. Her interior monologue is... I have to have these adult conversations with people and I don't feel like an adult. You know, I'm younger. I don't have the age. I don't have the social authority, um, but I'm an adult now and and I feel like a child, but I'm going to effing do this and nobody's going to stop me. And that's so brave. And and she's Mm -hmm. just like, just like standing there on that rock, like totally rooted to it. Nobody's going to move me. And that's so powerful. You know, this, Mm -hmm. she's being really, tiny like just very short small young and it's and yet here she is like one of the most like powerful like determined characters in the book it's really cool like that i think how that character is written oh in the deck she is she's a bunch of things in the deck like queen of wands she's also yeah she's the sun and he's the moon oh what and they fill each other in if you look at the cards i'll have to take a picture of this the sun is her standing on the cliffs looking out at the sea but the color is the background and she's the empty space which is unusual for this deck most of the deck has this gold background with the color filled in for the person and he is this is the moon and his silhouette is filled in with moon on the water and the background is just this plain gold so it's like, oh, they, that's really they, cool. And they're the lovers, of course, but it's like they perfectly complement each other. And then, of course, at the end, 
he saves her and she wins and then they like share their money and she uses her winnings and her clout to uh negotiate God, with she was the boss at the end oh that my was the best shit <laughs> I was like, she is gangsta. Like she really was. She came and she's like, I have three demands, and like she, she dude, Mulvern drinks this nasty ass tea with butter in it and, <laughs> and salt, like basically toast, but in tea. And I'm like, I no, right. I don't want to try that. <laughs> They've been everybody's been commenting on it this whole time, and so he's like, what? He's like, do you want some tea? She's like, I'll have what you're having, like a fucking boss. <laughs> And then she's like, I have three demands. I want a job. I want to pay off the ha- what we owe you for the house. And I want you to sell core to Sean. And I'm like, damn. And she gets it all. She gets it all. <laughs> Ooh, and that guy finally, like, re- he finally realized he met his match. Like, I just. She a queen of everything. That's a, That was a total queen of pentacles moment total total justice total queen of pentacles like every boss Empress, ass female yeah, in the tarot it's... deck uh, everything <laughs> Woo! i mean like i so like i think this is one of the first books i've read where i'm like not really rooting for anybody yeah. like i don't want anybody to die right. but i'm like well kate won't win and she won right the race i was fucking shocked I no idea I honestly where... thought sean yeah I thought Sean was going to win, and he would help her right. out. But Kate won, like, by a fucking fluke. And, like, she was the first girl. Like, unbelievable shit. Like, I thought she would be injured or something, like, and it would be dramatic. But, like, and it didn't go the way I thought it would, which was awesome. I think that I never knew where this book was going. Yeah, exactly. And I was never, I was like, I don't want Sean or Kate to die. I don't want anybody to die. Right, right. But I don't really, I'm not necessarily rooting for them. Yeah. Like, they seem like... they'll be fine like something will work out well sean will win and he'll take care of kate but it's cool because in the book like in the deck she has them as the lovers and i forget what the two of cups is but to me they are also like they collaborate so much like they don't interact actually that much in the book for most of this they're constantly like Every once in a while, they do something with each other, like train or whatever. They kiss at a funeral. <laughs> yeah, there's death is like a big thing in this book, but but I but but it's actually like to me, it's like that perfect either two cups or lovers where they are helping each other every step of the way, even though they could look at it as if they were competing against each other. But instead, yeah. their whole energy is about getting through this together and hoping for the best, not only for themselves, but for the other person. And so, like, I totally mm. love that idea of the lover's card. That It's like, in its own way, it's like, it's selfless, but it doesn't mean I have to give up my own dreams, too. Like, they don't know how it's all going to go down, but they do everything together. And they never, yeah. and she never even tells him, you know, maybe at the very end she does like, oh, if I win, I'll share money with you. Like, it's just like this unspoken thing. Like, we're in this together and we're just going to get through it. That's like, honestly, better than your conventional romance right. as far as a relationship yeah. because they are taking care of each other. Like, that's what you want for longevity. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't want like. The hot horse boy taking the girl in the stable. Oh, my gosh. And they live happily ever after. Yeah, and then, like, him swooping in and saving the day. Like, you're right that this there's, like, this real feminist element to this book that's very quiet. Like, it just kind of, like, shows awesome. up. Now, this is what I thought was interesting. Um, like, the end of the book, 
the end of the race, his horse, the Ace of Wands is Kor. And at the end of the book, like Kor's leg is broken because... From the race. From the yeah. race, from Mutt and what he does trying to kill Sean and his horse. Mutt's really... Mutt dies. Yeah, Mutt Hooray. dies. Thank God. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> Nobody wants right. him. Not even his dad. Right. <laughs> and Kor's leg is broken and that... And Malvern still won't sell him to, to Sean because he's a jerk. But, but yeah. she convinces him to. So. And Sean, this is what's so amazing. Like, this horse is his his best friend. They have this really kind of magical relationship. And he goes to release him into the water. Like, he's he's paid all his money so that he can release this bro- this horse with a broken leg into the water so that it will have a better life in the ocean than on land. And this horse that's supposed to be a monster has already put its body in the way of mutt to save Sean's life in the race. And this horse doesn't mm-hmm. go into the water. It is, well, again, I have no idea where this book is going. And I'm like, that, that's how the book right. ends. The literal right. last sentence is like, Core takes a step back to me. I'm like, what uh, the fuck? And, I, and it's like, but it's like so beautiful. Like, I, this is a cheesy saying. And my grandmother, God rest her soul, like had it on her wall. Like when I was a kid, I used to read it all the time. It was like outside her bathroom. And it was, if you love something, set it free. If it doesn't come back yep. it was never yours if it returns it always was and th- th- like that's that freaking moment right there he has harnessed this water spirit this horse i had this revelation it took me a long time to figure out as i was reading but anything that's the color red is something that is loved very much by someone Aww. and so her hair is red and sean is always noticing her red hair the wind blowing it and he notices the the red yeah. sun shining on her red hair and it's like and so to me it's like he loves her that's why it took me a long time to figure out that he like loved her in this kind of deep way because because and his horse is red and what t- what tipped me off cuz she is a visual artist and all these colors show up in this book all the time and like and the red i was like the mm-hmm. priest shows up in this red car and she makes this big deal on the side about this red sports car somewhere and so what's up with the color red and i started like tracking it and everything that's red is something that is like treasured and loved by someone and so now i'm like Look this is at totally you. This damn horse, this horse core this horse is like embodies love for Sean at least i guess but it sacrifices itself I, at first, I was like, the ending was kind of abrupt. But in the end, I was like, you know everything's going to be okay. No, I think that's the best fucking way to Yeah, like, you know it'll be okay. Like, she got her house. He got his horse. Like, they're t- they're going to work it out together. Her brother Gabe shows back up to help her out. Like, I mean, I think he's like, still going to leave the island, but still. Yeah, but, like, she resolves that. Like, things come sort of sort of full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of death. Like, death is this persistent element in this book, too, you know. Oh, that was the other thing. Like, she's always describing the sea as, like, black and blue. And he's always wearing, Sean's always wearing this black and blue jacket. Broody baby. Did we talk about everything? I feel like we hit all the big stuff. I feel like we did, too. I might do just, like, a little bit of, like, criticisms of the deck and then can be... Yeah, you should talk about the deck and then do the spread and then, um... Boom. Yeah. Okay, cool. I So I am a fan 
of the Raven Prophecy Tarot, which is Maggie Stiefvater's first deck that she did. It's really cool mm-hmm. and really symbolic uh, rather than having people. It has a lot of hands and flowers and flames and things like that. Oh, I love um, that. I always pull that out in the fall because the colors are a black background with an orange border, so it's total Halloween Ooh. and fall. Um, so I got this deck before I even read the book, and then I got the book. Now, and, and she did the guidebook for her first deck, and it's a nice little guidebook. This time around, uh, the guidebook was done by, I think, somebody who's kind of a famous tarot writer, Melissa Sinova, and I, I think that's how you say her last name. It might be Kinova, but it's C-Y-N-O-V-A. And mm. she's done some other sort of famous or I think really popular tarot books. And she has a kind of down-to-earth sort of tone in her writing about tarot. Uh, but the only thing I'll say, so this deck features a lot of characters from the story, but, the Scorpio Sea Tarot. Yeah, and I like the colors in it. So, it, it, like, most of the cards have this gold background and then this figure in the center of the card who represents either a character from the book or a part of the story or a part of the lore of the island. There are cards that I cannot tell, like the lion tied up in the Eight of Swords. I can't see how that fits in the book, like where that comes from. Yeah. What I thought was that, you know, all of these people in the deck were from the story and they probably are, although some of them just look like they might be random characters you would find in it, like on the island or over the island's time. But in the book, the only thing I'll say in the guidebook is I thought they would say what part of the story is described in that card or featured in the card, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So kind of like with your Jane Austen oh. deck, you're just left. And that might be because it wasn't Steve Fatter that wrote the book this time. Mm. But you're just kind of left guessing on some... And some of them it's obvious, and some of them it's really not. The main characters show up in several cards. So just like with tarot, you know, the cards all together show the development of a story. And so that kind of sticks out. Um, but, but yeah, I, so I think I understand the deck better now that I've read the book, but it doesn't seem quite as directly connected to the story as I thought it would be. But then without the story, I'm not sure it would have been super easy to read with because the characters are very specific when you see them. Like, the King of Swords, I think this is Malvern. Yeah, gotta be. And I thought he was kind of King of Swords, too, anyway. But, and this is the blind sister uh, as Queen of Swords. <laughs> but you wouldn't know that or what that might represent unless you read the book. So I think, but then if you read the book, you still might not be able to tell who all these people are or where all of these images come from. Like, there's a crying wolf here for Nine of Swords, but I, I don't think that was in the book. So it's it's an unusual deck. I mean, I'm glad I have it because I like her art and her stuff, but I wish there were more information 
descriptions of the cards in the book just describe like what a tarot card, what that tarot card might mean. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a lost opportunity to tie it more closely to the art in the deck, especially since it's not completely obvious where it comes from in the story. Mm. That would be, it would be hard to do the entire deck just based off of the one book. So you just add in a bunch of other random elements. Now it does say in the book, these cards are influenced by the book, the Scorpio races and by legends, Celtic mythology, horses and the astrological sign of Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars and Pluto. And so they talk about that, but you know, and they're designed to be highly intuitive and to have you look very carefully at the the art and the images. But, I mean, clearly there's characters from the book and I, I wish it were just, you know, like you said, like with your Jane Austen, like you can eventually figure it out. Or like, you know, Celtic mythology. I don't know much about Celtic mythology, so... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of those where your guidebook will help you too, but hopefully... Yeah, and this one doesn't totally do that. I do like the oh, art. Oh, that's dumb if you yeah it doesn't it just kind of leads you to guess i have another deck like that it's based on mythology but it doesn't give you any of the references and i'm trying to think what it is now oh i think yeah we talked about that because we pulled it and it had oh yeah i don't remember what episode that was i think it might have been like the astara bonus episode (laughs) and we couldn't figure out the dude's name (laughs) yeah Um, now if you order this and I don't know if they still have any, but Maggie Stiefvater is really cool because she really likes to support her local bookstores. And so one more page books is near her in Virginia. And when she sold, when this tarot deck came out, this, the book had already been out for a few years, but came out in 2011. Yeah. And so, but when the deck came out, which just came out in the last year, she one more page books did a promotion with Stefader where you could get an extra bonus card for the deck if you bought uh the I think it's if you bought the book or the tarot I don't one of the things from that bookstore directly and she signed it and it's a different chariot card. Oh. But so that's kind of cool if you're into that stuff you can get that from one more page books if they still have any. She did the same thing with her Raven's Prophecy Tarot and with a different bookstore in Virginia and you could get an extra card with it. But the only thing I'll say is that the extra card is not mass produced in the same mm. so it's not the same size as the rest of the deck. So you can't just like shuffle an extra chariot card in there. Mm. I'll look up and see if they still have it going on and I'll tag them in the Instagram post if cool. you want So, it. let's read. All right. So, so we're going to do one for um, Puck and Sean's relationship. Where it's going, that kind of thing. The, we're making our own epilogue, basically. <laughs> yeah. Maggie Stiefvater, yeah. if you ever come across this, right. let us know if this is canon. well this card just popped out and oh my gosh it's the chariot oh hell yeah is it the bonus chariot no i i set that aside because it's like it's half an inch longer than the rest of the cards in the deck oh so So, it's weird yeah okay and it's probably because the deck is mass produced somewhere else but the chariot in the deck is kind of cool because in the 
in the traditional Rider Waite card, you have a chariot pulled by, well, it's actually two sphinx, but sometimes it's horses, and they're kind of pulling in this wild, like they're not going the same direction. And this chariot almost makes it look like a lover's card. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. Okay, it looks like a playing horse- card, how you have like the one right side up and the one upside down. Yeah, and the horse on top is in a harness, right? And then the horse on the bottom is free. There's no, there's nothing on it. So it's kind of interesting, that idea that one is controlled and one is not. Oh, and I think that's an interesting way to think of the chariot. I always think of it as if you can control the chariot, it's going to go the direction you want with a lot of energy. But if you but you have to control it, otherwise it'll pull in different directions. But mm. to me, this is they're they're actually coming each head coming out of the center of the card. They make sort of like an S shape, like they're pointing different directions. And so it's almost like two sides of the same image. So. You know, to me, that actually reminds me a lot of Sean and and Puck. Well, they have, like, one could be a land horse and one is a water horse, even. Right, right. And his is core and hers is dove. So that's kind of interesting that maybe they continue to complement each other as a unified whole. Aw, but they move forward together. Yeah, that's right. Now, should I pull another one just to see, like... yeah. What direction do they go towards? Okay. And I like the backs of these cards. They have the tree skill. Is that what it's called? The three loopies? Yeah. The, the I don't remember loops. what it's called. The Morrigan's oh going to get me later for that. I had a reverse two of cups. Ha! So there's a, and it's two dolphins, but again, like they're pointing different directions and they're connected to each other. So it's kind of interesting. The chariot was upright. So, I don't know. I just get a lot of balance. Like, one direction balance is another direction, like, within the card and in the cards themselves. Yeah. No wonder she didn't write a conclusion. Like, that's basically what... (laughs) Yeah, they just have a really good relationship where they balance each other out constantly. Hooray. (laughs) They lived happily ever after. That's cute. It's funny because you were wondering what the Two of Cups was like, and then we got it. (laughs) That's right, and... There's a lot of twos. She has a lot of images in this deck that are like things, like two things swirling in opposing directions. Yeah. And... Babies? Do they have babies? Maybe that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I saw she just signed the book. Holy crappers. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, wow. I got, I'm so anal retentive. Like, when I ordered the book through One Page Books, you could put on there what your name is, so she would sign it to Karen, and then she signed Maggie on this extra card. But then I freaked out, and I wrote the books for Rebecca. I'm like, oh my gosh, please, I don't want her to write my name on the card, because my thinking was, I had to cover up any of the art. Like, I didn't know how she was going to sign she it. She wouldn't do that. I, you know, I was like, I was like, actually, I just really care more about having the extra card and the art. <laughs> I told the bookstore that. I'm like, I really just don't cover up the art. Don't put my name. But now I just noticed, like, she put it in the book instead. So that's really cool. Nice. <laughs> that's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> babies. You want me to pull a card for babies? Yeah, pull a card for babies. Babies. Oh, and that's the other thing. Their horses were into each other, too. Core was sho- Were they? Yeah, Cor- there was one scene where Core was showing off for Dove. <laughs> oh, my God. Because, like, Sean was saying, oh, you never know if they're going to eat eat a mare or flirt with it. And, and, then there were, and then he was 
like noting how Cor was prancing his stuff in front of Dove, which I thought was great. Oh my god. Alright, you have babies. Oh my god, I just pulled the chariot again, girl. Did you shuffle? I did. I shuffled. I totally shuffled. I'm asking a yes or no question. The deck is being sassy. Two? Is that two babies? They have two babies? <laughs> Twins? They're, they already have... Horse babies? You know what? They're, they're, they're horse babies and human babies. They already have two horse babies, and that's what's in the chariot. <laughs> no, maybe the horses have babies. <laughs> I don't know. It's such a silly well, thing. Well, with pentacles and cups, I mean, probably. Hey, you know what? They're both homeowners now with jobs, so... <laughs> Yeah, they work at the same stable now, so I don't know. Who knows? The last thing I I wanted to just put out there for people that are sort of inspired by this book is there is a horse charity that I have donated to before and I did a lot of research on. If you're looking for an organization that does really good things for horses and even works with race horses that have been discarded, um, Kentucky has a lot of horse charities because of the horse industry that's there, but also because in eastern Kentucky, in Appalachia, there are a lot of feral domestic horses that that when their owners can't afford to keep them because there's a lot of poverty in that region, they release them into the wild thinking that the horses can survive in the wild. And actually in that in that region of Kentucky, they can't and they starve. Uh, and so the Kentucky Humane Society has a particular center called the Equine Care Program that Aww. that you can donate directly to, or you can donate to Kentucky Humane Society. And I like them because, as a whole, the Kentucky Humane Society commits to never euthanizing animals for lack of space. And actually, they often take animals from other overcrowded shelters. But, you know, for horses in particular... You know, Kentucky's a, Kentucky has a lot of particular needs for horse horse charity donations because of these feral horses that starve every year and get illegally shot. It's horrible, and also Aww. and also because of the racing industry. But it can sometimes be hard to sort of sort through what's a quality organization to give to and what is it. And and so I can recommend donating to um, the Kentucky Humane Society Equine Care Program. If you're looking for a horse charity, um, that's a really good one. If they have a an Instagram little thingy, I'll put that in the in the podcast Instagram too. If any of our listeners want to participate in the goal setting readings for January, we can donate a thirty percent. So, like, if you do, like, a three-card reading, like, $5 to the equine charity. Oh, sweeto. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We got to feed them horses. <laughs> they are. They- I don't want to ride them. I don't want to take care of them. But if somebody else does, <laughs> I mean, they shouldn't starve. They don't deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, racing in particular is an industry that really needs to take responsibility for, you know, the byproducts of, yeah, of horse not- racing. It's bad. You know, rather than... And you see that in the book in Malvern, how he treats his horses, so... And his... I don't believe in horse racing. Yeah. And his people. Mm-mm. He treats his people the same way, so... So our next book, should we talk about our next book? Yes! Right, I'm excited. This is... We might actually be scooping the book industry. Uh, this is a book that just came out in November called Winter Counts. 
It's an indigenous author. Yes. David Heska Wanbley Wyden. And I got this from my library. So, and it's a hot item at the library. So you can get it at the library. It's in, it's out in hardback now at all the bookstores online. This, I'm probably going to audio book it. I'm just going to read a little bit of the front cover description because we haven't done a book like this yet. It's a crime thriller. Yeah. And... It says, Virgil Wounded Horse is the local enforcer on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota. When justice is denied by the American legal system or the tribal council, Virgil is hired to deliver his own punishment, the kind that's hard to forget. But when heroin makes its way onto the reservation and finds Virgil's nephew, his vigilantism suddenly becomes personal. He enlists the help of his ex-girlfriend and sets out to learn where the drugs are coming from and how to make them stop. They follow a lead to Denver and find that drug cartels are rapidly expanding and forming new and terrifying alliances. And back on the reservation, a new tribal council initiative raises uncomfortable questions about money and power. As Virgil starts to link the pieces together, he must face his own demons and reclaim his native identity. He realizes that being a Native American in the 21st century comes at an incredible cost. So this is in the genre of crime fiction. And the writer is a lawyer and professor who lives in Denver, Colorado, where at least some of this book is set. So it sounds like he's writing, setting it in an area where he's personally familiar. Did it say? Did I miss what tribe it was? He, it doesn't say. He just said Native American. It says Rosebud. I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah. It says Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota. So I'll have to look that up. He is an enrolled citizen of the... Sakangu Lakota Nation, and I may not, I apologize for not pronouncing that. I'm just kind of reading this on the spot. He also has an, so is Lakota. He he also has an MFA, so and and is a lawyer. <laughs> like this is yet another person Dang. that does it all. <laughs> so yes, but I think this is his. This might be his first published book, at least in the big publishing industry world. I think so. But I think nice, and I'm not sure. I didn't know where the title came from, but I think winter counts might have to do with counting buffalo. I have to, I haven't gotten too far into this yet. I haven't started reading it yet, but anyway, we'll find out. Yeah. All right. So that's our next book, and we'll post a little bit more about that on the Instagram in the next week or so. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. We'll probably have a ton to say about indigenous peoples and their rights and stuff. You know we gonna get political. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I almost forgot to say it. Uh-huh. You know what time it is, Karen? What? It's time to arrest the cops and murder Brianna Taylor. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I agree. It is. They did arrest one of the, or not arrest. They did fire one of the dudes. Finally. Yeah. <sighs> All right. All right. Cool. Well, we'll see you in a month. Happy New Year, everyone! Yeah. You can reach out to me for the goal setting readings at Mystical Millennial on Instagram. Um, and you can check out my Mystical Millennial podcast that I have with my husband, Patrick. And if you are a movie and TV buff, I have a podcast called Witch Theater with my friend Kylie, where we talk about witch themes and movies and television. We're doing, we've been covering Bewitched and the Paranormal Activity series oh my gosh, a lot lately. How fun. We just did Paranormal Activity 2. That was a lot of fun. And then we're doing, yeah, we're doing the first season of Bewitched. We're going to cover Matilda soon. I'm really excited. <gasps> oh. Yeah. I haven't watched that movie in ages, but I love that movie. Cool. All right, y'all. Y'all have a wonderful new year. 
And Karen, they can find you at Grail Seekers Quest on Instagram. Yeah, and my and and at you, Grail Seekers Travelog on YouTube. And I'm sort of on hiatus for now, just because of life. But uh, I do have a she list busy. of YouTube videos to make one day. <laughs> but <laughs> it's been a year. We got another year coming up. It's, yeah. No. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. <laughs>